And now, a quick news report from Assistant Political Editor, Norman Smith. What will it take to pry Mrs May from the jaws of number 10? Clearly defeats in the House of Commons are not just your flagship policy, but an entire treaty that you have nailed to the mast aren't enough for you to do the decent thing and put everyone out of their misery. Is she just a glutton for punishment? Why is she now against no deal when she's repeatedly stated that no deal is better than a bad deal? Surely a measure of how bad a deal is is how much MPs in vote in vast swathes against it. Many say her hands are now tied and the Parliament has taken back control from the government. Maybe the Commons have prevented no deal by explicitly voting against it this evening. But maybe that vote doesn't actually change the law and isn't actually legally binding. But the only person threatening no Brexit is Mrs May herself. And so it's hard not to come to the conclusion that for the Prime Minister, it's my way or the highway. And by highway, she means somehow staying inside the very union that the people rejected on that fateful day in 2016. Welcome to another edition of Sounding Board with me, Andrew Elliott, and my brother Nick. Now, it's Wednesday the 13th of March. This is going to be another edition where we get it out on the night because of what's happened today around Brexit. Now, I know we've had quite a few podcasts about Brexit recently. We're not really interested in politics as such, more about government, how we're governed, how things work, which is why this has happened again and again. Um, But I think today we can't avoid it yet again. So, Nick, do you want to start? Yeah, so uh, we've had a couple of votes this week already um, and, you know, more defeats for Theresa May and the withdrawal agreement. So what's happened tonight specifically? So this is Wednesday. We've had a couple of amendments put to the House of Commons. They've been voted on and then the entire amended motion as a result of those. So again, a bit of nerdy stuff. The amendments themselves get chosen by the Speaker Uh, then they get voted on individually and then it's the overall motion as amended um, by the House. Now the Spellman Amendment, which actually Caroline Spellman tried to pull at the last minute, but it also had Jack Dromey's name on it as well. Um, So she tried to pull it and the Speaker said, no, some of these other people might not want to pull it. Uh, That one, this is fascinating, okay. That was the amendment that said no deal is off the table forever and a day. Now, whereas the actual motion that the government put down was quite narrow in saying only no deal on the 29th of March. Now, I'm not, I'm not giving the specifics, you know, I'm not gonna say the exact wording, but the overall effect was to tie it only to be rejecting no deal at the end of this current agreed period. So if there was an extension of some kind, then it wouldn't rule out no deal for any of those extensions. And what this amendment did was say, no, it rules it out no matter what. And what was surprising to me with this one was that it passed by a majority of four. This one was really close. Now, I think the the amendment that the government put forward um, about the 29th of March that one seems to me to be more accurate because I don't. No matter how many how many times you know politicians say we want to rule out no deal, I don't think they can technically do it. Not not quite as easily as that because the the withdrawal act is is law that's binding. 
Uh, yes, um, and so let's be clear: the the vote yesterday. So that was the that was the second meaningful vote on the, the second on the, the withdrawal deal on, on the withdrawal deal itself, which was rejected again. So the first time this was voted on, it was uh, rejected by a majority of two hundred and thirty. This time it was one hundred and forty nine. I mean, yes, it's you could say it's going in the right direction for Theresa May, but it's still a huge huge loss but you're right in that the only thing that's legislation that's law is that we're leaving the European Union on the 29th of March deal or no deal all this is today is a motion it is an expression of will by the House of Commons no law has changed but let's just rewind a little bit okay to this, you know, the Spellman Amendment first, because the only other amendment that got selected was the Malthouse Amendment. Now, the Spellman Amendment um, was approved, if you like, by a majority of four. I've, I've, I've read that four government ministers abstained. Now, that obviously is the difference between it passing and not. So we'll come back to that in a minute, and because we want to talk about collective responsibility. As a percentage, is that anywhere near fifty-two forty-eight? <laughs> um, who knows? So the Malthouse Amendment, which, without going into the specific detail of what what the Malthouse Compromise is, was rejected three hundred and seventy-four to one hundred and sixty-four. I'm not going to do the mental maths to give you the specifics there, but. Um, that one was rejected. I'm going to come back to some of the people who voted in favour of that in a few minutes. But that amendment's gone. The Spellman Amendment becomes part of the amended motion because it was approved. That then gets voted on again. And the majority of, in favour of the amended motion, including ruling out no deal, becomes 43 so the government went into this thinking we're going to we're going to get people to approve only removing no deal from specific date and now it's been removed completely but again coming back to your point this is just a motion this is not legislation no act has been passed no bill has been passed and you know you hear people on the tv and on the radio talk about a you know, moral duty or an obligation to um, carry out the will of parliament no one's talking about the moral obligation to carry out the will of the people as expressed. Well, th this, in the this could have been one of our hypocrisy things, couldn't it? You yeah. know, how many times do Remainers like to, to point out that the referendum wasn't binding? Yes. Oh, it wasn't a binding referendum. You know, we don't have to act on it. Well, technically, they are correct. The Withdrawal Act, however, is binding. This isn't. This motion tonight, as amended, is not binding. Absolutely right. And I think you. You tweeted something. I did. I may. I may have tweeted something. Something similar to, to that, that effect. Um, yeah. I've heard as well that the EU are still saying that just the will to take off, you know, no deal, doesn't mean anything, and that they're yes. preparing to leave on the 29th of March, either with the withdrawal deal or with no deal, without a deal. Um, you know, that that's their position. So, as much as we can say we don't want to leave without a deal, it means nothing. We've said this before. 
no deal is the absence of a deal. You can't remove the absence of something. That's like a double negative. You've got to have something in, in place of it. And the only way of removing no deal indefinitely is to stay indefinitely, which again, may be the expressed will of members of parliament, but that is them categorically saying they want to remain. And I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, obviously the likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg, other, um, other leading Brexiteers say, you know, as far as they're concerned, anyone who's voting for an extension and not, again, to distinguish it from a technical extension of the amount of time it takes to pass some legislation, as opposed to a much longer extension. Anyone voting for an extension is voting for Remain. And that's how they are positioning it, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and also, if you, so if you bear in mind that the EU is saying that the only deal on the table is this one. Yep. If you want a deal, it's this deal or, or it's nothing. Yeah, I agree. So the government was defeated, essentially, on this. Again. A again. This is after the defeat yesterday. Again. Which is after the previous defeat. After the previous even larger defeat in January. That, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot for any prime minister. Um, it, well, it, it's up there. This is, the, I think, the first and fourth in terms of government defeats. Um, and, you know, you have to go back to Ramsay MacDonald and people to get similar ones. But still, she has the number one. 230 votes. She has number one. But I want to talk about who voted and who didn't vote for some of these things. Because there's a question here of government discipline and of party discipline as well. Now, there's something called collective responsibility, which I think has already broken down. The, the people who uh, did resign from government last year, so the, the first Brexiteers to go after Chequers, and subsequent to that, Dominic Raab's and people like yeah, that. Yeah, so you, 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 you David Davies and you Boris Johnson. Bankers. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, they resigned because they couldn't support the government. They couldn't support the government policy specifically. Which is the way it has always been. If you're, a, if you're a cabinet minister and you cannot support the government, you resign. That's it. Not just a cabinet minister. If you're any minister, if you're a, a parliamentary private secretary to a secretary of state or a minister, the, the term government actually applies to a very large portion of, um, in this case, the Tory party. And I mean that came to the fore when um, there was the vote of no confidence in Theresa May, because when you look at the number of people on the government payroll, these are all people that only serve, what's the term, at the pleasure of the Prime Minister. So they were voting to keep their jobs, some might argue. But the idea of collective responsibility, that you buy into government policy or you go and be a backbencher, um, is, uh, is an important precedent. And it's already been on shaky ground when the likes of um, Amber Rudd and David Gork, the, these are cabinet ministers, have been out very specifically saying, and, you know, Philip Hammond as well, out, out specifically saying that they want to rule out no deal, even though the expressed um, policy of the government, uh, the Tory party manifesto, all said no deal is better than a bad deal. And they kept saying, uh, Theresa May has been out there saying we can't take no deal off the table despite what she may ultimately want as an outcome. Yet these people have been out there saying the opposite. And, you know, we've heard Brexiteers say 
this isn't on. These people should be expressing their opinion um, by resigning and then expressing it just like the likes of David Davis and Boris Johnson did. On this vote, and this is what exposed it, straight away you've got four ministers have abstained from the first one causing it to, to go. The, the amended motion as a whole, apparently as many as 20 abstentions. Now, let's be clear, an abstention is not the same as voting against it, but it's also not the same as voting for it. When there is a three-line government whip, you vote for it. And if you're out of the country on, you know, on government business, then that's basically okay, as long as you're not going to lose it. But they abstained. And on the TV, immediately after the vote, was um, Nadim Zahawi, who's the Minister of State for Children and Families. So this is a government minister basically calling for them to resign, saying, if it was me and I wanted to vote against the government on this or I wanted to abstain, then I would have done the decent thing, I would have resigned. So we've already got ministers that are sent out regularly. This guy, Zahawi, he appears on, on TV and radio all the time, out there shilling for the government policy. And he's out there saying, no, you've got to resign. I think that's huge. Okay, but there has been a resignation, I believe, so Sarah Newton, who's the Minister of State for the Department of Work and Pensions, or was, yes. resigned because of the way she voted, which is the way that this should happen. So, yes. you know, some people are still have some honour. There was another minister, I believe, uh, a week or so ago, again, a junior minister, who resigned in order to table an amendment that the government couldn't do themselves, but the government was kind of okay with. There was this odd situation where a minister resigned in order to do something. Just to show you that it, it, it does happen, that it is a thing. But it seems to be one rule for the junior ministers and another rule for cabinet ministers. So do you think that that puts pressure? The fact that somebody did resign on the way they vote? So that put pressure on Amber Rudd and the others? So under normal circumstances, I would have said yes. Everyone but always talks about it. What's normal circumstances? Well, I... It's, it's not normal it's not, it's, it's not, what we can It's agree. not what we have now. So, you know, under normal circumstances, for example, Theresa May would have resigned about 100 times yeah. by now. Yes. You know, so nothing... This is... The whole situation is unprecedented. Are you saying we're in post-normal times? <laughs> Ab certainly abnormal times. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's, it's... We've never seen anything like this. I mean, there's, nothing, there's never been anything like this in our lifetimes. Um, no. Even studying political history... I can't think of anything that's remotely so close. The, the 70s were another period of, certainly the early mid-70s were a period of political turmoil. There were, there were lots of cases of, again, government defeats, general elections, Lib Lab Pact. That's about the closest you get. Again, there was Europe in the monks there as well and all of that. Um, but it does, this does seem to be unique, doesn't it? Um, and I want to talk about something I think is also significant now, which is again the way certain cabinet ministers, cabinet, yeah, cabinet level people have voted. So the Malthouse Amendment, okay, free vote on that one. That one, that wasn't, wasn't whipped. These people haven't voted against the government on this one. The Malthouse Compromise is a so-called standstill arrangement for the next, I think it's up to three years or something while we get a, a free trade agreement. Um, and 
you know, it, it's, it has been seen as a middle way. People like Boris Johnson have come out saying, yeah, I'd support that, etc. Been rejected. Been rejected hugely in the Commons this evening. But let me list the people who voted for it. Gavin Williamson, Penny Mordaunt, Sajid Javid, Jeremy Hunt and Andrea Leadsom. Now I can see from your face this is news to you. Okay. It is, and th these are all people who have been, come out for the deal, and uh, you know they're mixture of Remainers and Leavers. Definitely. Um, would you say that most of those have leadership ambitions? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> all of them, all of them, <laughs> even Gavin Williamson. <laughs> but we're talking major cabinet ministers here. Yeah, you know, we're talking foreign and home secretaries, leader of the house, defence. And we're talking everyone on that everyone that you've just read out has been mentioned when they've talked about leadership elections and you know putting their names forward every single one. So isn't that interesting? So these are the ones coming out for. I mean, it's a free vote, but at the same time, um, that's it's not government policy to go after that. Government policy is I've got a withdrawal agreement and you need to vote for it now. All of those people voted for the withdrawal agreement yesterday. <laughs> and today, they're voting for something completely different. This is what's interesting about the House of Commons in general. It's very interesting about the process that's happening now and this series of motions, because the motions are not the same as passing law. It's also interesting what is being whipped and what isn't, in, in my opinion. Yes. You know, you, you get things like this that are, that are a free vote. But when you look at it, that's... That's against what the government is for. And yes. you, you'd expect this to be whipped. Yes, you would. Certainly I would. You, you absolutely would. And also, the reports in the news have been that essentially Theresa May is, you know, damned as she does, damned as she doesn't, she's got. I mean, well, okay, let me backtrack on that. She chose, certainly initially, a cabinet of 50 50 remainers and leavers. And now she's in a situation where if she backs one particular route, then a load of the Remainers threaten to quit. And if she backs the, the exact opposite of that route, a load of Leavers threaten to quit. What it does seem at the moment is that the Remainers have more power over her. But th there's, there's very little direction that, that she can go in at the moment other than, and I, I love this phrase, and it's, I think it's come to describe Theresa May, nothing has changed. <laughs> and that's that's what everyone says and it's what she says and or you know, she says it without using those words she comes out and everyone expects something different but she just comes out and goes well you need to vote for the deal don't you yeah but i know we've just voted it down yeah but you need to vote for the deal well we've just ruled out no deal well they better vote for the deal then hadn't you and she just keeps going keeps going and keeps going and I mean, I want to talk about the, the EU side of all this. You've kind of hinted on it a bit um, and whether or not it's likely because the, the, the motion tomorrow is on whether we get an extension to Article 50. It was dependent on the motion this evening because they weren't going to, we're not going to ask for an extension without ruling out no deal. Um, but the, 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 two, the two motions are so tightly coupled. Yes. Um, you know, you can't, it, to, to be honest, it, it seems crazy to me that you would have, you'd actually split the two in the, in the first place. Because if, you, if you're trying to rule out no deal, 
then the only way to do that is to to either revoke Article 50 uh, or to have an extension. Personally, I think it's revoking because aren't you just delaying no deal if you receive an extension? Of course. So actually, so, certainly, certainly, certainly because of what has been agreed with the EU in that it's this deal or nothing. So and this is why, this is why I think they were trying to be clever and they were trying to tie ruling out no deal on the 29th of March in order that then you can satisfy that with an extension. But actually, now, they're not compatible. Any amount of extension and any amount of no deal means you either have to have a deal or you have to revoke. And I suppose this could be what Theresa May, Theresa May means by no Brexit. And she's the one who coined that phrase. She's the one coming out saying it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this is just, you know, well, she's not even a closet Remainer, she was a Remainer. And she'd be quite happy to see us remain forever and indefinitely. And this is kind of the way of going about it. Put, put a deal so bad on the table that nobody votes for it. And then say, it's not my fault if you don't vote for it. And then slowly usher in either a second referendum or revoking. Because she knows that the rest of Parliament wants that anyway. So what, what happens now, though? So who backs down? Because the EU have said, it's this deal or nothing. Yep. And they're, they're not going to want to back down. They're not got that, yeah. And in order to get the deal voted again, so we've had we've had two meaningful votes, um, both been roundly rejected. I, I know, yeah. you've, as you alluded to earlier, she wasn't rejected as much, but it was still almost 150. It was yeah. just still a thumping defeat. Um, and if, if if it had been defeated by that amount the first time, that would have been massive, massive news. Um, so it's been defeated spectacularly twice. The only way that it should really get into Parliament again is with a change. They can't just keep voting for the it's same very thing. very true. So the it's, only way... I don't know whether it's just precedent or whether it's actual process there is that you can't just keep voting for the same thing. You literally can't vote for the same thing twice. So, you know, what happens? Did she go back to the EU again and try and get a concession? But the EU are not going to want to offer that because they've said again and again and again it's this deal or no deal. Now... So what happens? I don't know the specifics... Um, but they, I think they can go to a second reading. There is a second reading of a bill. Um, so there is some more process that they can bring forward that means that there are meaningful votes on, on, on it as legislation. Um, but this legislation is to pass, pass the Withdrawal Act, not to revoke Article 50. And so obviously they got stuck when this, you know, this, the sudden right for it to be amendable became a thing uh, this is the speaker sticking his oar in. Um, you know, none of this stuff has happened over the last few weeks. Should have happened at all, really. The government put down an, uh, a, a motion that it didn't want to amend it, and the speaker went, "Yeah, I think I'll amend that." Yeah, you know, putting aside you know hundreds of years of precedent. Um, so we're in this situation for a number of reasons. One combination I want to explore, which I think is just amusing, is. They've now voted a motion, so not legislation, a motion, to rule out no deal, come what may. What if tomorrow they don't get a majority to extend Article 50? Well, exactly. So we leave without a deal on the 29th of March. But Surely. They, but they, that, that contradicts the vote for tonight. That, Which means nothing. Yeah. And 
this is kind of my I mean, point. You, 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 and I, you, and I, you, you and I talked about the route through the, the, these three votes a, a couple of weeks ago, and there, it clearly wasn't thought through then. You know, these two are so tightly coupled that if you vote to take no deal off the table, you have to vote for an extension. Otherwise, that vote means nothing. Yeah. I mean, even if they vote for a motion to extend Article 50, um, government, again, doesn't have to do anything at all. I mean, I think, I think they will do that. But all of this could be um, stopped by the EU anyway, because, again, for our listener, we're the only ones who can request an extension as the, uh, as the party uh, instigating Article 50 and trying to lead. But every other EU member state has to agree. Just one country's leader can veto this. And Nigel Farage is already there in Strasbourg lobbying as many people as he can to try and get you know, just one, who a, a sympathetic populist government maybe, <laughs> who has some maybe anti-Euro kind of views, to uh, you know, maybe we'll go and speak to the Deputy Prime Minister in Italy and try and get them to veto it. But let's, let's just talk for a moment. Let's, let's assume for a second that they do somehow manage to get an extension. How long? I don't know, let's say three months or, or whatever. Or well, a, okay. Or no, but but hang, hang on, I'm just, just going somewhere with this. What, what are the EU going to, to, to do? Because the, the, the EU's number one aim is to, to bully us and to deter any other country from going down this route. Their number one aim is to say, look, this, you can never leave. This is what will happen to you. We're going to beat you up. So any deal we get after that is going to be absolutely catastrophic. They're going to want blood for this, aren't they? Poor encouragement les autres. Is that the uh, phrase? I think so. I to think encourage so. the others. Uh, yes, they're, they're trying to make it back. They're, they're on record saying they want to make this as bad as possible so that we'll stay. I mean, they're on record saying that stuff. Um, so this has got to be painful. Um, if if you are in belief of that, if you're if you're if you're EU people right now, or you are EU leaders that believe that right now, are the the other twenty seven, then surely you are going to say, "No bugger that! I'm not letting you. I'm not letting you uh, extend this because I want you to suffer the most pain." And that is ignoring the trade imbalance and the fact that you know they really probably do want to sell us their Volkswagens and their champagne. Well, it's interesting as well because if they if they say, for example, no, that's it, we're, we're, you know, you're going to leave on the 29th without a deal, yep. that could very, very well go in our favour. As you are, you or I know, I'd be more than happy with, with you know, leaving on WTO rules. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, um, getting rid of all the, all, all the I mean, regulation. I mean, having said that, um, I, I mean, my understanding is that the Treasury under Philip Hammond has been very specifically denying money for no deal preparation stuff you know deliberately making it more difficult just not putting boots on the ground for this stuff because it it isn't just as simple as that's it we're out now there there is yeah government has to make changes um as far as we're concerned we want those changes to be reductions and uh, and you know get, getting rid of agencies and departments and all that kind of stuff because we want government to be smaller uh, you know, and essentially that's what you know you and I voted for 
when we wanted to leave the European Union was you know we're, we're being governed by larger and larger governments and in this case one we don't even vote for so we have to be gone but um, I, I think you're right that um, I've lost my train of thought completely well so my, my let me take over my point is that there's still a balancing act for the EU yeah so they don't want us to leave but what they really don't want us to do is to leave and succeed and succeed Got so you. you know, do do they do they say, well, okay, no, we want you to leave without a deal, or are they thinking, well, no, hang on, if they leave without a deal, they're going to do okay. Other people might do the same. So you think they, you think they want to drag this out longer? Then, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Because that's I'm, the balancing I'm, act. It is, it? yeah, yeah. It, but I, th I think there might be a mixture. I think, I think, you know, some countries might think, no, no, Sodom, no deal is is terrible. Whereas others might think, well, actually, it's not that it's not that bad. It's really interesting. So let's let's talk about the specifics. Let's talk about what the motion now is going to be tomorrow night. There are two parts to it. It's the first part that's important, and that is that the UK will seek an extension to Article Fifty to the thirtieth of June. Now, can you tell me why that date is significant? That's something about the EU elections and when they when it comes into force or something. Or so, like a lot of elections in the world, you have an election and then uh, the, the the members of whatever legislative legislative body or whatever, or in you know in the America, it's the president. You have the election in November. Yeah, you become they don't, they don't, you become president elect. So are these exactly. MEPs elect MEP, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean there probably isn't even a term. But the point is, the elections are over a month before that date. They're somewhere between the 23rd, 26th of May. And when does it come into force? 1st of July. Well, that is interesting. So what the a motion tomorrow is seeking, this is a government motion. I mean, they'll be forced into it, but it's a government. If, if they didn't put it down, then um, uh, uh, Yvette Cooper... And Nick Bowles, we're going to put it down anyway, um, is an extension to the 30th of June. So that takes us to the point where we wouldn't have had elections. Well, there would have been an election, but there would have been no we point would, in us. We wouldn't have taken part in it. Yeah, them. exactly. But what if we then vote for a further extension? What if we... There's, no, there's nothing saying we can't have more than one extension. What if we're in exactly the same position... At the end of June, we still haven't ratified an agreement. There's still not a majority. We can all be on the sixth or seventh meaningful vote. And they've just managed to squeak it through, and the Speaker's quite happy to vote on it as many times as is necessary. We still haven't passed it. And then we're exactly the place we are today at the end of June. With no at, MEPs. At, with no MEPs. And now everyone's saying, we need to extend, we need to extend, we need to extend. I find that an interesting position to be in because I think it's pretty plausible that tomorrow this motion is approved, that we do seek an extension. There's a question mark over whether the EU wants to do it. So, right. I think it's more likely that the EU will want that. Want us to not participate in the elections. Yes. But still so allow us to... To, to, to take rules from them. The extension. And to keep paying. And to no, but to still have the... Uh, what? You, th you think that a double extension they would be happy with and they'd be happy with us not taking part in the elections I think so yes I, I think, think this, is pro this is possibly a way of getting a longer extension they have been they've been publicly saying no to that they've been publicly saying 
is going to go past the election, then you're going to take part in the election. That's what they've been publicly saying. But let's be clear, we've got Euro elections. We've also got, I haven't checked the date on this, but I assume it's tied in in some way. Got a brand new commission, brand new commission president. Bye-bye Jean-Claude Juncker, drunker Juncker. He's not seeking a second term as president. So everything changes again. What if, what if the new commission president, the new commission, again, the commission is made up of commissioners that are sent by the member states, of which we would still be one. Are we sending a commissioner as well? I doubt it. But you, you get what I'm saying. This, this isn't as simple as that. Um, the, the EU could, could turn around and go, oh, bugger that, you're not, you're not having this. I think, there is, I think there is still a strong possibility that even if we ask for this extension, that we don't get it. So bearing all of that in mind, if tomorrow we vote, we, the House of Commons, votes to extend Article 50. Which I think it will. Which I think it will. It has to. It I would mean, be... it would be really amusing if they don't. Because it's like going round in circles then. Albeit, okay, here's something we haven't thought of. If they don't, does that encourage the second referendum for people? Because they're saying, well, we can't agree. We can't agree on this, so we need to give it back to the people. There's potentially that. It's not something we've explored. But but anyway, moving, moving on. Yeah, so yeah. We'll so assume it does. Assume, assume, assume they do. But the EU, for all the other reasons, say no. Again, any one of them could say no. But for all the other reasons, say no. Does Theresa May then engineer a third meaningful vote? Eleventh hour, properly close to the point at which we leave with no deal. And at that point, does she get over the line? I think so. I, I, I'm sure I've said this a couple of times. In that, I, I always thought it, there would be another. I, so I thought there would only be a, another one. I thought there would be a second one closer to the date, and that people would just she would keep pushing it. Yeah, she'd, she'd, yeah. she'd keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Come back with some kind of tiny rabbit out of a hat, uh, and then. Ministers would just think, right, if it's this or no deal, I'll vote for it. And it would get across the line on March the 28th or whatever. Yeah. Um, it sounds like this is going to happen um, possibly without a rabbit. But just, you know, like I say, 11th hour, people would rather vote for that than to leave with no deal. Uh, people, ministers, MPs. Right. No, but let's be specific. Parliament. ERGs or Labour Party? members who's gonna who's I gonna think, see this over so the line i think there are some erg members who will probably hold their nose and vote for it but it needs all of them doesn't it unless a sizable chunk of labor vote for it i i think a sizable chunk of labor will as well so you think it's going to be so, both of them are so going to help yeah yeah so if, if if there's if there's not going to be an extension and it really is. Let's say we have a, the third meaningful, or the fourth, or the fifth meaningful yeah, vote, yeah, or however yeah. many, on you know March the twenty seventh or the twenty eighth. Yeah. You know when there is quite literally no time to do anything. Yeah. The EU have categorically said there is no extension. Yeah. And it is either leave with this deal, or that's it, or nothing. I think I vote for it. And I've, 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 you know, I've thought that for a, a number of months. What a mockery that will make of the entire. It's, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's nowhere near Brexit. It's not what people have voted for. 
it's, it's nowhere near governing, is it? And it's nowhere near the the kind of process and scrutiny that a legisl- legislative body should give to anything. I mean, that it shows the process in all its horrible light, doesn't it? So, that- and if they do keep voting for the same thing, which is against what should happen, then that again makes a mockery of the process. At least we had this system of checks and balances in our parliament. And if they just ride roughshod over that, then it will show them up to be the kinds of people that they actually are. I mean, so this is, we, the EU have got a history of making people vote more than once. It's yes. happened on a number of different occasions. You, know, you vote to leave the EU and then you vote again because you gave the wrong answer. Um, and I, I thought that would happen to us, um, but you know, reasonably early on. Um, I think that's why the likes of Tony Blair immediately came out in favour of these things. Of course, things. but what's happened? What's happened now is kind of is is worse because it's kind of shown what actually can you know can can happen with a, a dysfunctional parliament. Um, it's I, I I think even you know people talk about democracy failing and the people are, you know if if we don't you know if we don't have Brexit then you know people are never going to vote again. I think a significant number of people even if we do end up leaving at the 11th hour, they're still going to feel that way. They're still going to think, hang on, you know, Parliament is rubbish. The way we're governed, the legislature is just awful. And I'm, you know, so disenfranchised with this that I'm not going to vote anyway. Um, it I, wouldn't surprise me anyway. I, 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 I bet the turnout in the next right. election, whenever it will be, will be far smaller. I think, I think you're right. Um, uh, what I said to someone, a colleague of mine this week, was that I am all in favour of a general election, all in favour of it, but not a single one of the current MPs is allowed to run again. That would be my ideal election. This is proper clear-out time. Obviously, it's not going to happen, but that's the kind of renewal that is needed, because there's and every public sector worker as well. Can we can we get new ones of those? Well, that's another conversation entirely, isn't it? That the whole problem is we can't get rid of those. What about all the different agencies and quangos that are supposedly independent and arms reach from government? This is another podcast, okay? That's you know, let's let's not go too deep on that. But I think we've pretty much covered all the all the Brexit stuff, haven't we? I think we have. Let's take a break. We now break away from our current coverage with another report, this time from political editor Robert Peston. After another huge government defeat of Theresa May's bonkers Brexit bill, the likes of which the Commons has not seen since the last humongous defeat in January, it's easy to forget there have been other important political manoeuvres on the other side of the House. Tom Watson, who has basically been sitting quiet for three and a half years under the catastrophic leadership of one Jeremy Corbyn, has finally made his move. Over 150 Labour Party MPs and peers, the ones who haven't left yet that is, attended the first meeting of his new parliamentary grouping, the Future Britain Group, in order to, in his words, develop social democratic policy ideas. Despite many public protestations, Labour's deputy leader insists that this isn't a faction or the start of a leadership bid. 
Clearly, he felt like he had the cover he needed from the MPs who left the party three weeks ago in order to make this bold move without the support of the Corbynite leadership of the party proper. Senior cabinet members tell me privately that Watson has been planning this for months and rather than pleading with the likes of Chukur and Muna to stay and fight with him in the party, he's been actively encouraging the split so that he can capitalise on the chaos and solidify his support with the moderate members of Labour who crave anything but Corbyn. None of this has been helped by the news that a website for Future Britain Group was registered on the day of the split on 18th of February. Oops. But sources close to the independent group say nothing has been coordinated. And with the kind of trashing of party politics that's been going on by Chuku and his pals, it's not hard to believe they weren't part of this particular plan. The most likely explanation is that the man who engineered Tony Blair's final demise as Prime Minister is now starting to flex his political muscles again. And with the Labour Party still mired in anti-Semitic controversy, it looks like somebody serious is getting ready to take the reins if it all ends in tears. Now you said at the beginning of the first segment that we're not interested in politics. I think the listener will find that very hard to believe after listening to our podcasts. I think we don't like politicians, but we quite enjoy politics. Now, this podcast is a is about is about government and freedom and free trade and free speech and, and all of that. And so we are interested in Brexit and what happens. We are interested in what happens with the party political system of the UK as well. I think I, I kind of meant politics specifically. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's politics is, is involved in all that. Yes. Um, but, but we're not, a, we're not a political podcast. Or at least we, we, we try. desperately try not we to be try. a political podcast. There's just so much going on at the moment, isn't there? Yeah. And it's so, it's, it's, it's unique. You know, I, I can't think of anything yeah. that's ever happened like this. It's not like, you know, it's just, it's just another, I mean, a general election would be a big thing. We'd probably have to talk about but, you know, referendums don't happen every day. Um, certainly not one like this. Um, and certainly the, the shambles that the government is in. Omni shambles? Well, and it, Does I, it qualify I, yet as an omni shambles? Probably. I mean, I, so a shambles is a, is a butcher's slaughterhouse, isn't it? <laughs> and I know, I know precisely yeah. what that is. Um, and this is a shambles. I think it's, it's you know, it's a, a perfect metaphor. And so this, this doesn't happen every day. And there are so many different things that keep happening, keep going wrong that it would, it, it would be impossible not to talk about it, at least a few times. So does that neatly bring us to the Labour Party? Because we're, we're admitting that we're talking about politics. I think it does. Yeah. And when we talk about the Labour Party, did, you know, there's stuff that's happened over the last week that... So that would be huge in, news. Let's use the term in normal times. Yeah, you know, come, think, imagine in you know five years ago if, if this would have happened. You know, before before Brexit. Um, so let's lay out what's happened in the last week. Okay, carry on. So the I'm gonna I don't know if I'm gonna get the name of this particular organisation agency right. Is it the um, the human rights something or other? 
what's what is it? Some some official agency um, has uh, has launched an investigation, an official investigation into the Labour Party on racism. You you may have heard me typing there, listener. I'm just trying to find out. Let let me Google that for you. Other search engines are available. DuckDuckGo, of course. Ah, yes. Yeah, sorry, you like to be. Uh, Equality's watchdog. Right. Equality's watchdog. Yeah. Okay. So. This is an organisation that was founded by the Labour Party, or rather, you know, while the Labour Party was in government, this organisation came into being. Yep. And now they're being investigated by it. What does that say? I mean, it's just that's mental, isn't it? And this isn't again. This isn't some little minor party. Yeah. This is the Labour Party. So the specific thing they're investigating. So they believe, and this is in quotes, that the Labour Party may have been unlawfully discriminated against people because of their ethnicity and religious beliefs. Isn't that shocking? So that's happened, and the other thing that's happened this in this last week is that Tom Watson, who I think we commented on at the time when in our podcast a few editions ago when the Labour split happened we commented about how Tom Watson seemed to be the only person making any hay coming out of it looking statesmanlike um, out of the Labour Party um, other than our general favourite um, Barry Gardner <laughs> yeah <laughs> just because we like him um, but What's happened this week? We like him because of his entertainment value. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't agree yeah. with anything he's ever said. <laughs> it's just the it's just the way that he says it. Is that right? <laughs> so Tom Watson, um, uh, it started in um, uh, an article he wrote uh, on the day or the day after uh, the the Tiggers first quit. Started talking about how to bring the party together, broaden the front bench, etc., etc., etc. All things he has no power to do as deputy leader, um, and is in you know basically in contravention of, of the leadership under Jeremy Corbyn. But it's the kind of thing that you'd have expected the actual leader of the Labour Party absolutely to do. all of the right things. Um, he has formed a new political grouping, a group of skill, a, a group of skill. I love that word. So a new political grouping. This, I mean, we read out the description. I think didn't we? The definition before. Um, that term also describes the independent group. It can also describe the ERG as a subgroup within the Conservative Party. But if ever you had a party within a party, it is the 150-odd peers and MPs who turned up to be a part of Tom Watson's new Future Britain group. Now, what does that say about the Parliamentary Labour Party? I mean, it, it sounds to me like that is a new party in the making. I mean, so, you know, obviously we've, we've had a few people who've broken away and formed this independent group, which aren't, you know, I mean, they're not a, not a party either yet. They're no. just a group of independent MPs. Um, but, you know, you and I have talked for a, quite a long time about like a, you know, like a, either a new centrist party or, you know, particularly within Labour, you know, a group of MPs. There's all these you know, so-called are, moderates, the Blairites. Yeah, exactly. The, exactly. the Blairites, the moderates, the, the non-extreme leftists, non-momentum members and, you know, and MPs breaking away somehow um, and, you know, and forming a new party. 
10 members or 11 members or however many there are of the independent group not really much clout whatsoever 150 that's yes. that's a new party yes it is and it's to be to be noted it's it's, it's to be uh, it's to be taken seriously and it this this is Tom Watson on maneuvers and it's and it's overt and it's in your face uh, and he's saying to Jeremy Corbyn as far as I'm concerned watch out because if this all goes belly up I'm going to be the one that's the only elected um, representative left, the the de facto next leader um, by virtue of being deputy. So as soon as there's not a leader, I become acting leader, etc., etc., etc. I think it would be fascinating if and when that happens, um, what the Labour Party would look like under uh, what, what the opposition would look like under Tom Watson far less scary as far as we're concerned but at the same time it would have so a few years ago it would have looked pretty scary yes it's all relative isn't it but it's relative yeah but a much more credible political opponent for the conservatives much more likely and, and again especially after Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell and Diane Abbott and, and, and these people much more credible to win an election. Well, let's so, so, so let's let's just let's say that there is a, a general election soon for whatever reason. I can, Jeremy Corbyn's still at the helm of the Labour Party. Yes, and this new party, new New Labour or whatever old Labour <laughs> forms, old New Labour, old New Labour, new old Labour. Um, <laughs> so this new party with Tom Watson at the helm forms. And I can see them taking Labour seats because there are so many people who only vote Labour because they can't stand the Tories or they're they're kind of moderate socialists but not out and out left wingers. But you're talking about them having to have a split, a, an actual proper party split at that point. Yes, right. I can see I can see that happening. You can see that happening during election campaign I think if an election was called that would speed up the whole process and they'd suddenly say hold up a second we are not with this idiot we're a new party and they'll put representatives on a number of seats and those representatives would take seats away from Labour because I think lots of people only voted for Labour because they couldn't bear to vote for the Tories there was no other kind of moderate left wing or socialist you know opposition uh, that, w- that was credible or that would win and I can you know and, and they but didn't think they, did, they didn't think Labour again but they'd they didn't be... think Jeremy Corbyn would get in no whereas, agreed whereas I, now I, they, you know this new this new group of school or the, the new political party at that point can say you know what you can vote for a moderate left wing uh, party and you don't get Jeremy Corbyn you don't get an anti-Semite you don't get a warmonger but you're talking about them abandoning the Labour brand Abandoning Absolutely. the Labour Party. Yep. So why haven't they just done it yet? Then why are the only people who've done it the independent group? Well, you and I have been asking that for a, a long time. Um, My, I have. I, I think. I, I think they still want to take it back. I agreed, and this is why Tom Watson hasn't left. But become a general election. Think, well, okay. Let me spin this out for okay. you. Okay. They do run under Labour, the banner Labour. They are Labour representatives. Let's assume that there's been no time for deselections. Yeah, so this is just they're running again. But they do specifically say, "I am Labour, but 
but I do not support Jeremy Corbyn being Prime Minister. And they say that, and they get voted in on that, because remember, the Prime Minister is the person who commands the support of the House of Commons. So even though there might be a majority of Labour MPs that were voted in, would they not Jeremy just... Corbyn wouldn't be able to be Prime Minister because they wouldn't support him as Prime Minister in the House of Commons. Would they just not get kicked out of Labour at that point? Surely. How? Who kicks them out of Labour? Can't they get the, the you know the, the, the whip removed or the NEC can remove them or whatever? Yeah, but they'd be elected at that point. They'd be elected. But I but wouldn't they wouldn't they get that wouldn't that happen beforehand? Surely they said that before a general election straight away, right, you lot are out, you're no longer Labour, you vote for them, you're voting for independent and MPs. Then they've got to what and then Labour have suddenly got to find hundred and fifty new candidates they'd, they'd that them. no one that no M- one's momentum, ever heard of. Momentum would find them and look I'm sure that would happen. It would be really, really interesting. Wouldn't it? It would. Wouldn't it? Because I think there are these little technicalities that they would have to be kicked out. I think that is what they would have to force. And they said, we're not leaving. We're not leaving Labour. You have to kick us out. But I think, that again, there would almost be legal challenges on why are you kicking us out? Well, now we remember the Labour Party. What are the grounds of you kicking us out? Just because we're saying we won't support a particular person as Prime Minister. We're supporting a Labour government. We're saying we want a Labour government. But, but that person, which is how it works... They're saying they're, the they're, they're not supporting the, the leader of the party. Is that not grounds for kicking someone out? I don't think it is. Maybe we should find out. And on that note, thank you for listening to Sound Report. We'll see you next time.